0: Hello, how you doing? Welcome to season three, episode fifteen of Be Bougie, Be True, Be You. I'm Charlotte Jones, and before I go any further, I just want to apologise because I sound a little bit odd, and to be honest, I have no idea where my voice is at today. For the last three or four days, I've had a stinking cold, and although. I feel better and like I'm getting to the other side of it. My throat hasn't quite got the memo yet. So one minute my voice sounds normal, then I completely lose my voice and then I'm somewhere in between. And we're just gonna go with it and see where we end up. And to be honest, I can't really complain because when this episode goes live, I will be in the beautiful Costa Rica sunning myself in a lovely hotel by the beach by the jungle, relaxing by the pool, maybe having a cocktail, then maybe going into the jungle. I think they've got one of those zip wire things that we're gonna be doing, and I am determined to get my partner out on a horse and to go horse riding on the beach. So I will update you on that when I get back. So this week's episode is all about that elusive instant spark, those instant fireworks that we expect to feel, whether it's on the first five seconds of a conversation with someone. Somebody, or in the first five minutes of meeting them in person and if we don't feel these instant butterflies and all this magical spark inside we assume that there is no hope for this person we're not attracted and we want to move on to the next one and how this is actually doing far more harm than good when it comes to finding a long-term relationship so let's start this week's episode You're listening to Be Bougie, Be True, Be You with Charlotte Jones, the podcast to chat about a little bit of anything and everything. Being a matchmaker and doing the work that I do, I follow countless dating coaches, relationship coaches, other matchmakers, and just people who are generally in the industry of love. And... As I say that, I'm like, is the industry of love a thing? And I can't decide if it sounds really cool or really cheesy. And I'm going to go with the latter and just move forward. Anyway, following these people like I have for the last few years, I have seen countless YouTube videos, blog posts, podcast episodes, statuses, stories, posts on social media that cover today's podcast topic, which is all around that instant spark, that instant intensity we want to feel when we meet somebody new. Now, whether we're meeting that person via online dating, whether it's via a matchmaker, hint, hint, (laughs) or whether you've been set up on a blind date by a friend, whichever way you have met this person, you are going to no doubt be putting a lot of pressure on yourself to constantly analyze how you feel in their presence. And you're probably thinking, well, if this subject has been covered so many times before, Why are you talking about it again? And the reason I wanted to talk about it is because from my perspective, where I've seen all these posts, I've listened to the podcast episodes, and trust me, I learned so much from them and they helped me so, so much. I've assumed that because I've learned the lesson, everybody's learned the lesson. And once you've learned the lesson, it's honestly life-changing and you will have the best relationship of your life. But I've been having so many conversations recently and it's come to my attention that there are still a lot of us who are basing our decisions on whether we continue to date somebody on that instant feeling of intensity, spark. We think it's fireworks. We think it's butterflies. We think it's because I can't concentrate throughout the day unless this person texts me. It must mean I like them so, so much. Um, And if we don't feel those feelings... We are dismissing somebody and trying to move on to the next person before we've really given that person or that relationship a chance. And so I wanted to talk about it today because after realizing this, I then went on to realize that I am somebody that, well, I'm a triple Leo. I think I've said this before. So I am a hopeless romantic. I was boy obsessed in my teens. And I too used to live my life by that. And I had the same belief that if I didn't feel this instant spark of like, oh my God, this person's amazing. Oh my God, I feel sick because I'm so nervous. And if I didn't feel that, I assumed that I didn't fancy the person or I didn't like the person. And I let that, Dictate my dating life when I was a teen, even through my long term relationship and my marriage, that aspect would come into play quite a lot in my mind. And I'm quite proud of myself that I never let it overrule, but it would come up so much more than it needed to. And I feel like I'm going to be a bit of a party pooper here. But the bottom line is often when we have that feeling of intensity, that sickness, that nerves, we can't sleep, the anxiety. And we think that it's because we really, really like this person when in fact it's coming from a very different place Inside of you. Now, I'm going to caveat by saying that, of course, this is not the case for everybody and every situation because in dating and relationships, there is no one size fits all and you always need to do what fills in alignment. But hopefully, this episode is going to bring you closer to that place of alignment. Now, when you go on a date with somebody and you know very quickly that you don't see them in a romantic way, you don't feel the attraction or you just feel no connection to them whatsoever. When that happens, you will know, but you will know in a calm way. And it's not in a, oh no, I think he's really boring. Oh no, I thought he was this or oh no. When you're talking in a very fretty way, that's your brain still going into overdrive. The quickest and most trusting way to know if you genuinely have no connection or attraction to another person is to listen to your gut, but it's so much easier said than done. So the way to listen to your gut is when you're with somebody, you will just have a quiet feeling and it's a very quiet, calm and confident voice that just says, no, or it'll be like, this isn't right. It will just say one or two words, literally like, not for me. No, but there's no defensiveness. There's no questioning. There's no harshness. It's just a very, Friendly, no, that doesn't work. Now, I'm going to compare this to buying a home, whether this is your first home, whether this is moving on to your forever home, or whether circumstances outside of your control mean that you have to go and buy a different home and maybe you don't want to, but you're in the position where you have to. There are two reasons I'm using buying a house as an analogy. Number one is because to me, a home is one of the most, it's your biggest investment. But also for me, home is everything. Like I am such a homey person. It's where I spend most of my time and I have to feel safe, secure and happy in my home. I can't just go and pick something off the street. Like it's something that is a whole process for me because I have to feel secure and settled. And it's about an energy for me. And again, I can't explain it. It's a feeling that I get, which is, how you have to navigate relationships. But the second reason I'm going to use this as an analogy is because it's what I'm doing at the moment. My partner Al and me, we are on the hunt for our forever home, which although is super exciting, I also find it very stressful because I have a tendency to overthink. And even if I found the most perfect house ever, I'll still be like, but is it? is it perfect? Is there something that's more suited? Am I missing something? Am I missing our dream home by focusing on this home and all the things? So a couple of weeks ago, I saw a beautiful house. It was in the exact setting that we wanted and it looked like it needed a little bit of work, but not too much. So again, just enough to make it our own. And I felt quite excited filled in the form, booked in a viewing for in about a week's time. But I was being a bit impatient. So I said to Al, I was like, can we just go for a drive? I want to get my bearings, see where it is and see how I feel when I drive down the road. Because again, that's the thing for me. I need to know that when I'm driving on the road towards my house, it feels like it's my road and it feels like I'm like, yes, this is a bit of me. This is where I want to be. So we took a drive, we found the road and it's on this beautiful country lane. It's such a sunny, clear day as well, like the bluest skies And I was like, yeah, this is a bit of me. This road is definitely me. I really like it. The excitement built and the excitement built again. Pulled up outside, probably looked a little bit creepy, but we're just checking road noise, plane noise, because it was a little bit near Gatwick. Anyway, from taking that initial snoop on the outside, I was like, there's a good chance we're going to go for this house. I really like it. The next week rolls around. We go on the actual viewing and go inside the house. Straight away, something just fell off. I can't tell you what it was but I'd be patient and I think is this because the house is empty because they've obviously been renting it out there's no furniture maybe it just doesn't feel as homey so I keep looking I go upstairs go into the bedrooms and I can see there's so much potential the gorgeous high ceilings massive rooms I'm like why am I not feeling what I want to be feeling and honestly (laughs) to top it off I am such a horsey person I love horses go in the garden it's surrounded by fields and all the horses come up to see you literally I was like this is the dream I can't afford a horse but I can have them in my back garden I mean that'll do we got in the car start driving back home I'm chatting away and Al says to me it sounds like you're trying to convince yourself I was like does it I was very tired I hadn't had a great night's sleep I thought, okay, I'm going to sit on it for half an hour. Turns out I didn't need half an hour. I just sat quietly in the car as we drove home and it just came to me and I didn't have to force it. I didn't have to overanalyze. Literally the words just floated out my mouth. I was like, I am trying to convince myself it's not right. I can't tell you why it's not right. It's just not right. So we go home, we have a cup of tea and then our heads off to London on a lad's day night out type thing. And I've got a second viewing on a new property that I found a couple of days ago and it piqued my interest, but it was all very last minute. So I took my mum with me so that I had some backup and somebody to bounce my thoughts off of. I pull up to this house and it is like my dream home. It's perfect. It's amazing. We walk in, we go around the garden and again, just think it's more and more lovely. I go into the house. This house is also empty because it's been rented out. So there's no furniture. We have a little walkthrough. There are some bits and pieces that I think, well, I like it, but I might tweak this or I might change that. And then the more I'm looking around, the more I'm getting in my head and the more I start questioning everything. And then I get upset with myself because I think this is my dream house. Why am I not feeling excited? Why am I not feeling this spark? Why am I not feeling this? Oh my God, I've got to put an offer in right now. So we get in the car. I start to drive my mum home. And I get quite stressed out and upset with myself. I'm like, that was perfect. What is wrong with me? Why am I not connected? Why am I feeling nothing? I'm just numb. And I keep asking this question and my poor mum has to listen to me go on and on and on and being like, I don't understand. This is exactly what I've been looking for. I found it and... I'm just feeling all weird but I'm really really intense and I just end up on a bit of a spiral really a bit of an anxiety spiral thinking that I'm supposed to feel something and I don't think I'm feeling it and what's going on with me I just feel numb and that's what I kept going back to I just feel numb Now, once I get home and then Al gets home, we have a chat. I talk to him about the house and I am literally trying to explain it to him bit by bit. Every tiny detail, driving up the driveway, what the road condition was like, what the gate was like. Was it broken? Did it fix? And you go in the garden, then you had this in the garden, then the front door was here. Then when you went in the kitchen, you had this over here. And he just stops me and he says are we putting in an offer? I was like, well, I don't know. I I don't know how you feel about it. I feel like I need to explain everything to you so that you've got the most accurate picture possible before you make a decision. And he was like, Charlotte, I trust your decision. Are we putting in an offer? I was like, no, you can't trust my decision. I need to take you there. You need to see it. And then we can move from there. But what was really going on was I was petrified and I was projecting my fears all onto Al. But the more we were talking and the safer I started to feel in the fact that Al was trusting me, he was trusting my opinion and I could feel that energy, it built my confidence and the more my confidence grew in the situation, the more excited I started to feel about the house and those feelings that I was getting so stressed out that I wasn't feeling them instantly, why weren't they there? I should just know and if I don't know, maybe it's not the right house, what's wrong with me? But the more I relaxed and the more that confidence came in, That's when those feelings of excitement, of butterflies, of apprehension, but all the nice good things, that's when they slowly started to creep in after I calmed myself and allowed my brain the space to let my gut connect and tell me what it was thinking. Now, just to quickly round up the house story, as yet, there are no official updates to share with you, but you will be the first to know if there are any. But on that Saturday, when I was sort of getting into this really silly spiral, I had this huge epiphany moment that every time I've entered a relationship with somebody that has been a long-term relationship, I would go through the same process of when I started to get to know the person, I would go numb, I would feel nothing, and I would think, what is wrong with me? I knew I was enjoying this person's company, I knew I was having a great time. Why am I feeling nothing? Does this mean I don't like them? And this happened to me, honestly, from the age of about 14. And a really great example of this was I was 16, I was at college and I was making a new group of friends with quite a few boys. Now for a girl that went to an all girls school, this was all quite exciting but there was one guy in particular in the group that everybody used to fancy. He was very charismatic, very charming, and just so much fun. But like I said, every single girl that I knew definitely had some form of crush on him, as did I. As we all got to know each other more, my crush was getting bigger and bigger, but I would see him flirting and being cheeky with all the other girls, and I was like, he doesn't fancy me. And then every now and then, We'd start chatting on MSN. And I think maybe he does fancy me. Anyway, fast forward a couple of months. He asked me on a date, really caught off guard, but very happy about this. We go on the date. It goes really well. We get into a relationship. And the first seven, eight months, of our relationship overall were really good. However, his cheekiness and his flirting was still very much there. We would go to parties and he would not nastily, but he would kind of just leave me. He'd Leave me with the girls and go off, be in the center of the dance floor. But I would see him flirting, I'd see other girls dancing with him, and I would watch this going on. And I would never really be comfortable with it. But because I was like, I'm the girl that's got the guy, I'm too scared to lose the guy, I wouldn't say anything. I'd be upset, I'd be insecure, but I just kept my mouth shut. And eventually, as these things do, I had a breaking point. We were at a party, I heard a story, I didn't like it, and I snapped. And I was like, I don't think we should be together. You clearly enjoy getting all this attention from all these other girls. What's the point in us being together? And because I'd never done this, it really threw him through a loop. And he came back and he was like, I'm so sorry. I really want to be with you, da, da, da. I was like, amazing, perfect. And to give him full credit, after that conversation, he was the perfect boyfriend. I never caught him flirting with anybody, being cheeky. He was loyal, he was loving, he was making so much effort. Within three months... I started to lose interest and I was so upset because I was like I'd had a crush on this guy for ages the first six seven eight months they'd all felt so exciting and fun and great ignoring the fact I'd felt so insecure through most of it but the moment I was starting to feel secure in the relationship I confused that with boredom I was like I don't like him anymore I'm not interested anymore. And I tried and I tried for two or three months, but I was like, no, it just doesn't feel the same. And we ended up breaking up. I broke up with him, which if you'd have said that to me a year previously, although I was 17, I would have still said you're absolutely mad. Now, anyone that knows me knows that when it comes to self-development and making sure that you're looking after your mental health, I'm a bit of a nerd in that area. I always want to make sure that I am doing the best that I can, that I am looking after my mind and my mental well-being in the best way that I can. And also, I just like to understand the psychology. And if I think there's a behavior that I'm like, where's that coming from? That feels a bit odd. I love to explore it and learn more about it. So anyone that's been listening to Be Bougie, Be True, Be You for a while now will know that my dad passed away when I was seven. And since then, I have had quite big issues around loss. And I have a very big fear of loss, which really plays out in my relationships in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways. And not just my romantic relationships, also relationships with my family and my friends. And it's something that every now and then I feel I have to go away for a little bit and go and work on it, whether that's with a bit of hypnotherapy or a little bit of coaching or counselling. So when my marriage ended, I decided to go and seek some counselling because I thought there's going to be, you know, just a a tad of mess here that might come back to bite me later if I don't deal with it now so I want to make sure that I've dealt with everything and then when I start meeting new people all of this will be fully in the past and I won't be bringing any of this into my next relationship and through these counselling sessions I learned that my fear of loss didn't just come from my dad passing away my fear of loss came from the fact that not long after my dad passed away my uncle who is my dad's brother didn't cope with his death very well and he shut me, my mum, my brother, I know that's not grammatically correct (laughs) but he shut all of us out and there were two different occasions that I remember where I tried to reach out to him. I didn't really understand. I didn't know better. And when I think back now as an adult, I can recognize that my mum was politely trying to sort of distract us away from wanting to go and visit him. But we were very adamant because up until my dad had died, my uncle had been a huge part of our life. He was always at our house playing games, being very affectionate, very loving. And so I remember we nagged and nagged and nagged. My mum took us round and I ran in and I ran and climbed in his lap and he just froze. It was like he suddenly didn't know who I was. And he didn't know what to do with the fact that I just sort of ran up to him for a cuddle, like I always did. And he just suddenly seemed like he didn't know how to cuddle me. And I remember it feeling weird, but just internalizing it. And then we didn't see or hear from him for a while longer. And I think it was about a year later... I decided to reach out on the phone, and I was about nine at this point, and I was off to my riding camp for the week. But I thought I'm going to call because I want to talk to him. And again, my mum politely was like, "No, call him when you get back. Don't worry about it now," because obviously, as an adult, you understand how things are going to go. But as a kid, you're like, you know best, and you're going to do it. So I remember I called. My auntie picked up the phone. She sounded very happy to hear from me, but she gave him the phone. And it was the most awkward telephone conversation you can imagine. And I remember being this kid thinking, okay, how do I keep him on the phone? How do I keep him on the phone? I can feel him slipping away. And I think he said maybe two sentences to me before he was like, okay, enjoy your camp. See you later. And he got off the phone and he disappeared. And then that was it. In fact, my uncle passed away now, I think about six or seven years ago. And I'd seen him one time since then. And that was an unfortunate accident. when we visited somebody and he happened to be there. But I was in my 20s at this point. And again, it was very sort of oddly polite, no acknowledgement of anything. And we just sat there. We spoke mainly to the other people and we left and that was it. And what I discovered through my counselling sessions is that actually this fear of loss, this panic when I think someone is pulling away is not just because my dad passed away and I didn't really understand death at that age. It's because my uncle who could have stepped in and not replaced him, but sort of taken on that fatherly role also decided to leave by choice and he just didn't want to talk to us anymore and I didn't know why. So when I started to get into relationships, I would become attached to guys that were very emotionally unavailable and the more that they pulled away the more that I was like no I need to speak to them again no I really like them and so what this transpired to is that there is still like this inner child in me somewhere that has spent the last 20 odd 25 years trying to get the answers that as a kid I couldn't get So I was never going to understand why my uncle also decided not to talk to us anymore and not really bother with us anymore. So I would then go and replay the same scenario in my dating life. And I know that sounds a bit creepy, but it would be so I would meet a guy. If they were really available and really liked me, I had no... That didn't trigger any of my trauma. That didn't trigger any of my upset. So I wasn't really interested. But have a guy that seems really into me for a minute and then disappears and it's really hard to get hold of and I don't know when he's coming back... I would be obsessed. And when I realized this, it was like the bomb that went off for me was like, oh my god, there have been so many people that I have had such big obsessions with and thought they were the love of my life and really all it was is that they were triggering a trauma that I hadn't yet dealt with. And when I understood that, it just it just changed everything. It changed the way that I approached dating and meeting new people and it made me realize that that intense spark was not a spark at all it was really me being like oh maybe you're going to give me the answer that eight nine year old charlotte never got and then i'm going to feel better but obviously the truth is we're never going to get that answer or in this situation i'm not going to get an answer because he's not here anymore so i hope i've shared enough examples now where it's really worth if you are somebody that is dating and you keep trying to focus on this instant connection and this instant feeling and i need to feel alive and i need to feel something It's really worth just checking in with yourself and seeing where that's coming from. Is that really coming from a place of desire or really are you trying to answer something that as a child you never understood or something that happened that you can never get your head around and maybe you think you've dealt with it, but really it's now playing out in these other ways where if somebody's blowing hot and cold with you, it's encouraging that unhealed part of you to relive and maybe try and figure out what it can never figure out before. And as I said at the beginning of the episode, there is so much out there on this subject, and it's well worth looking into. There are people who have studied this, and they've got lots of evidence and experiments that you can go and read, and it will blow your mind. But I just thought, if I shared some of my personal experiences as to where I realised I was going wrong, and actually when I felt numb, it didn't mean that I felt nothing. Feeling numb was merely... I'm feeling scared because actually I see potential here so I'm gonna just assume it means nothing and run away because that's easier than accepting this might be a safe and happy person or a safe and happy house that I could see myself with in for a long time I'm messing these stories up now and I'm combining the two and I've said enough I hope you've enjoyed this episode as always if there's anything you ever want to chat about I love to hear what you think message me on Instagram at Charlotte Jones Presents, and I will see you soon